0: We're continuing on in our series of healthy relationships, and and tonight my assignment is to connect healthy homes. And it might seem a little like it's not connected, my, uh, my title, because the title is actually called The Missing Parts of the Ark. It's been said by a pretty wise man, aka the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that A wise man builds his house on the rock. And as a matter of fact, that comes from Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. It says this Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him, or liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock, how many wanna be built on the rock? How many wanna stand on the rock? Verse 26 says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. There's a passage of scripture that in my mind is connected to this statement from our Lord. And this passage is in Genesis chapter eight, verses one through four. You're probably very familiar with the story. Genesis eight says, "'And God remembered Noah and every living thing "'and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. "'And God made a wind to pass over the earth, "'and the waters assuaged. "'The fountains also of the deep "'and the windows of heaven were stopped.' And the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated and the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains. So there's rain and there's storm and there's rock and there's rain and there's storm and there's mountains. I cannot unsee the connective tissue that I think exists between these two passages. It ministers to me because whether you're the wise man that builds his house on the rock in the book of Matthew, or whether you're Noah that's leading his family, maybe, maybe one of the most prominent stories of salvation of a family in the Bible, and especially it's, it's interesting because it's so early on in the scripture. It's in the book of Genesis. With both of these stories, it points to the fact that you just can't possibly anticipate every issue that you'll face in life. Revelation chapter four and verse three tells us this, that there's a rainbow round about the throne. And while someday we might have the perspective of over the rainbow like Judy Garland sang about, for now we simply have to keep on keeping on under the rainbow. If we go to church, if we're in the body of Christ, if we look to ministerial leadership, to give us an exhaustive list, maybe a laundry list of all the things that, that we'll face. And every, every time this happens in your life, this should be your response. And, and this is a little different, so this should be your response. I think that at, at some level, because we're just all finite human beings with very limited understanding, we're going we're to forget the X's and the O's. We'll forget parts of the plan. We'll, we'll zig when we should have zagged. But I've come to just minister my soul to you tonight and say that we must be resolute and our commitment to build only as the Lord commands us to build. And he said it in Matthew and he told Noah exactly how to build, I've come to build upon the message of our apostolic forefathers that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Well, yeah, Brother Mac, but you don't understand we have a problem with a teenager in my house. Well, do you know what the answer is? I know it can be nuanced and I know it can be complex, but we've got to go all the way back to the basics. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We might not understand all the details and the nuances, but if we'll just get down deep inside of our soul that we serve the sovereign, almighty God that has no beginning and no ending and that he became a human being to reveal his character and his nature and his identity and save us. And some of those complexities, some of those webs and those layers of the onion that we might not be able to unwind, it'll come to you. It just, it just comes sometimes when you stand on the rock. In Genesis chapter 6, and pardon me for a little lengthy passage, verse 12, it says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Sounds a little bit like 2024 about ready to happen back in Genesis chapter 6. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark. Thou shalt pitch it within and without. I know you've heard this probably a hundred times, but bear with me this evening. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, about 450 feet. The breadth, 50 cubits. That's about 75 feet. The height of it, 30 cubits. That's about 45 feet. We've got some dimensionality here. A window shalt thou make in the ark. A cubit shalt thou finish it above. On the door of the ark, thou shalt set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories, thou shalt make it. Behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters to the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die, but with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, thy wife, thy sons' wives, with thee. Interesting little side note. Only one mother-in-law on the ark. I don't think that deserves any more treatment than just that statement. Of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark and to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive, and take thou thee all the food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah built a big old boat. One of my favorite quotes of all time comes from a French writer, poet, and journalist. His name is Antoine de saint jupery I believe is how you might pronounce his name. And he says this, if you want to build a ship, Don't drum up people to collect wood, don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the immensity of the sea. It it is similar to don't just give a man a fish because you'll feed him for a day, but if you teach him how to fish, you can feed him for his life. And and I know that I'm like many of you, I'm like a a moth to a flame when it comes to a, a, a good think. I like a good story, I like a good mystery, I like to break out the books, I like to put my hands to work. Sometimes I'll even let the glasses slide down to the end of my nose because, you know, those of you that wear glasses, that's like a switch. When you put your glasses at the end of the nose, it increases your intellectual capacities and your creativity. But, but don't you just love human ingenuity? Don't you love intermittent windshield wipers? And and seat warmers in our cars. And I'm not sure if Brother Fridley's here tonight, but I think he started sweating in my car last night because he had the seat warmer up just full blast. I had to go through crew car wash today with the windows down. I I love I love the ingenuity that we enjoy today, coffee grinders and espresso machines. I love climate control and I love indoor plumbing. And I was going to leave this out, but on the way to church, I just learned that. William Post, the inventor of Pop-Tarts, passed away today at the age of 96. Shout out to Madison Anderson for making me up to date now with my current news. I love to design for outcomes, and I love planning for success, and I love living the good life as a result of it. But Noah's Ark was not just a big boat that was ingenuity and artistic expression of mankind. While it was monumental, and many of you have been to the ark exhibit in Ohio, the ark that Noah built was meant for the salvation of Noah and his family. God gave Noah very specific instructions on how the boat should be built. Let me repeat that. God gave Noah very specific instructions on how the boat should be built. So no matter what Ham, Sham, or Japheth said, No matter what their wives said, no matter what society said, no matter what Noah's imagination might have told him about a boat, when it comes to a plan of salvation, let me just tell you, you cannot decide for yourself what will save you. We have to pay attention to what thus saith the Lord. If you want to save your family, you've got to do it as God prescribes. If you want to be an apostolic in 2024, then you've got to know that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, manifested in the flesh, and that he went to a cross, and he bled, and he died for you, and and, and all due respect, it takes more than just admitting that he's your Savior. It takes more than just saying, I'm saved now, but you must repent of your sin. You've got to turn 180 degrees from that old lifestyle, Doing it your old way, building the boat however you want it. You gotta be baptized in Jesus' name. When you bury a person, you don't just sprinkle a little bit of dirt on top, but you put them as deep as you can legally get them. When I went baptized, when I was baptized in the name of Jesus, let me just tell you, I killed that old man, but I rose to walk in newness of life. That's how it's done. That's how you save your family, that's how you save your co-workers. When the Israelites were in Egypt, they could either put the blood on the doorpost or they could decide to do it their own way. And unfortunately, those that did it their own way lost their firstborn that next morning. I wanna do it God's way. I wanna obey the word of God. However he says to build the ark, that's exactly what I wanna do. When it came to offer up a sacrifice on the day of atonement in the days of the tabernacle, you couldn't just pick any old lamb. You couldn't just do it any old time of the year. You couldn't just strut into the holy of holies yourself. You had to do it as prescribed. It doesn't always make sense to march around the city seven times on the seventh day. It doesn't always make sense to blow the trumpets, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can't invent a miracle. You can't invent salvation. You can't grit your teeth and have enough faith. We've just got to obey the word of God. Can somebody just shout amen? Amen. He Gave him the type of wood. Gave him the dimensions. Told him how to make a membrane inside, outside. And I've learned a lot. I was just thinking that I've been an apostolic, one God, Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking Jesus name believer for 42 years this spring. 42 years. And my elders taught me that every word of God is pure, that it is profitable for reproof, for instruction, for doctrine. It's the only thing that can divide soul and spirit. It's the only thing that can separate the bone and the marrow. It's the only text that we have that is divinely inspired. And just as much as what the word prescribes and tells us to do specifically. It's also important to pay attention to what the narrator of Scripture does not say. Thus, I present to you that the ark that Noah built had some missing parts. I think there's a slide deck that might be associated. Nautical science and marine engineering has been around for ages and ages. Let me show you. Second Chronicles chapter nine and verse 21 says, for the king's ships went out to Tarshish, not an easy word to say, Rehearse that three or four times this afternoon, Tarshish, with the servants of Haram every three years. And they came, came the ships of Tarshish bringing gold, silver, ivory, and apes. They're moving a little too fast with the slide deck. King Solomon's ships brought back gold, silver, ivory, and apes. I've always, for 42 years, I've wanted to use this verse in a sermon, because of the word apes. I'm gonna preach about apes one of these days, finally. You might be the the somber, sober type, but I think it's straight fire that the Bible tells us that. I mean, why do you put apes in with gold and silver? But it said apes. Just imagine, yo, king, we're gonna take the armada out for a quick sail, thinking about swinging by Tarshish. You want us to grab anything for you? How about a a case of water, some double-stuffed golden Oreos, some chicken, and if they, if they have any, grab a few apes. I texted Canaan I texted today, and I said, bro, your mom's at the store, she calls you, she's about to walk out in five minutes, what are the top three things that you're gonna ask her to grab? And he said, bottles of water, double-stuffed Oreos, and chicken. So since he gave me that line, he helped the sermon out. I actually have some of that stuff for him tonight. He's downstairs in youth department now, but I have a case of water from my man, Canaan. I've got the party pack of double stuffed golden Oreos. He knows this is gonna be with you. He doesn't know what it is. Oops, sorry. Oh, the chicken. Gotta bring the chicken. chicken, shout out to my man, Canaan. The point is not Oreos, chicken, or even apes. The point is the ships, the ships. Nautical science and marine engineering have been around for a long, long time. The picture you see on the screen right now, you know what that is? It's not Michigan in reverse and in blue. <laughs> That's the Sea of Galilee. In Joshua chapter 11, it's called Lake Cheneroth. Later in the scripture, Lake Tiberius, Sea of Tiberius, Lake Gennesaret, Lake Kenneret, and the Sea of Galilee. All the way back in Joshua's day, they called it Lake Cheneroth. Anybody wanna venture to guess what Chenneroth means? Chenneroth means harp-shaped. Makes sense, right? Problem is they didn't have satellites during Joshua 11 time. Somebody got in a boat and used the art and science of cartography and triangulated their position with the stars while they sailed along the coastline, and charted the shape of this body of water so that it could become part of the common vernacular when the book of Joshua was written, and society accepted that it was called Chinneroth because it was harp-shaped. Who cares about the harp-shaped? Who cares about what it's called, except for the fact that the ships existed Mankind has known how to make ships for a long, long time. And now they can switch the slide. When we were in Turkey recently, these are artifacts exhumed from a shipwreck that was 6th and 7th century before Christ, from a ship. There was marine science and nautical engineering taking place thousands of years, the way that the ark was built does not make sense. Next slide. Here are the four parts that are missing, and and there's gonna be a connection here with healthy relationships and healthy homes in just a moment. The rudder, there's no rudder in the story of Noah's ark, but the rudder is the primary control surface to steer a ship, a boat, or a submarine. Let me just tell you that when God gives direction, the world may think you're crazy. The world may think that you're missing pieces. But God provides the direction. Nothing against medicine, nothing against psychologists, nothing against professionals that can help us. They all have their value, and they all have their place in life. But I have decided that as for me and my house, the relationships that are at my address, my family, my wife, my children, their close friends, our extended families, we will serve the Lord. We will pay attention to God and we will let God be our rudder. The ark should have circled the globe aimlessly without going exactly where it was supposed to go. But when you put Your trust in mankind. Let me just tell you, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God, because when things don't make sense, God provides the direction. When grief is overwhelming, God provides the direction. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let God be our rudder. You don't need to devise it yourself. I just saw a funny meme the other day and there's a little bit of humor to this but a little bit of reality and it was a picture, a depiction of Jesus Christ standing next to a wall with like 100 steering wheels and it was Jesus in front of all the wheels he has taken. Okay, yeah, ha, ha, but let me just tell you, on my way home, I might not be about to have an automobile accident, but I know that there are things in my life that I've got to continuously say, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, guide me. Jesus, I can't figure it out on my own. God, I know my relationships need help. God, I need help on my job. I need your wisdom. Jesus, take the wheel. Or in other words, God will provide the rudder. God will provide the direction. Just let him, you take your hands off. So many times we fail. People have missed predictions. Some say, we can't raise minimum wage to a dollar, we won't be able to afford help at the store. Junius Morgan, father of J.P. Morgan, said electricity was just a fad. The president of Western Union, William Orton, said telephones would never catch on. 20th Century Fox Kingpin, Daryl Zunick, said TVs would never be a thing. Remember, You know what's discouraging? Is there a lot of people in this room that weren't even alive during Y2K? What's worse is you weren't even conceived until after Y2K. But we all thought the world was gonna crumble when we went from 1999, 1231, 1159, 59, okay, this is it. It's either rapture or full-on apocalypse. And I wasn't here, but Phil Chandler told me that that night Somebody hit a transformer close by, and almost instantaneously at midnight, everything went dark. And you talk about a panic-stricken congregation. But Psalm chapter 32, eight says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And the wisest man that ever lived said, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Let me just minister to some Bible college student. Let me minister to some middle-aged person. Let me minister to some elder. Until you take your last breath, you need Jesus to be your rudder. You need Jesus to provide your guidance at home, in your relationships. Let's let him decide our direction. Next piece that there's no mention of in Genesis is the sail. You ever think about this stuff? There's no sail. It's a big chunk of wood. It's like a massive hope chest floating on the ocean. I hope we make it, I hope we make it. Sail is a tensile structure made from fabric that uses wind power to propel a sailing craft. It's made from many materials. I have a bag under Brother is Brother setting. If you'd like to see this bag, I don't need it up here, but it's, it's an incredible bag. You can see it from a distance, but you shall not touch it. It's made from the sale of an... <laughs> this is not Lion King, bro. It's made from the sale of an ancient Scottish shipping vessel. Brother Mac, you're pretty you're pretty arrogant to think that you're telling us that Noah built an ark and it had missing parts. It didn't have a rudder, show me. I mean, whip out a different version, I guess. I think I've checked them all by now. It didn't have a sail, and that's because God was going to provide the propulsion. God was going to provide the power In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, we won't read the whole story, but you know this. This is where there's a man laying at the gate called Beautiful, and he was crippled for a long, does the Bible say from his mother's womb, from his birth, he was a cripple? And Peter and John, they didn't have a sale, they didn't have have the funds, they didn't have Venmo or Cash App, and even if they did, they probably would have used it for some other reason, but this poor man is just hurting. He doesn't know know these guys from Adam, but he just reaches out alms, alms for the poor, and that's when Peter spoke up and said, listen bro, We don't have any gold, but we do have some propulsion. We do have some power. We don't have that much in this world, but we're coming here because we know that our source of strength is coming from the house of God. If you want your home to be squared away, if you want your family to live in harmony, if you want your kids to put God first, we've gotta know that we get our power and our propulsion from the house of God. There's healing in the house of God. There's salvation in the house of God. There is restoration and redemption in the house of God. No, things will not go perfect. We will still fall and we will still hurt. But man, if I fall, I want to be fallen with my brother because I know that there's power in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's not time to neglect church attendance. And I'm by no means trying to be pastoral, but I know that the Mack family cannot make it if we don't faithfully attend church. The Mack family cannot make it if we don't come into the house of God and lift up our hands. We don't have a sail, we don't have a motor, we don't have the power, but ye shall receive power After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Let Jesus be your propulsion. My brother-in-law Greg, organic chemist, he was tearing for the Holy Ghost and that joker would work so hard everything he ever did, everything he ever got in life, he just worked he gritted his teeth and the sweat of his brow. he was living the absolute curse of Adam and he heard about this truth and we were teaching him teaching him Bible studies and the weirdest, most awkward period of my life was the 10 years I was youth pastor in Connecticut because I had 11 and a half year olds in my youth group and I had my future brother-in-law that I didn't know was gonna be my future brother-in-law that was 29 years old and a PhD candidate in the same class. Basically had to become bilingual He was for the Holy Ghost so hard, his juggler would bulge. He tried to get the Holy Ghost by his own power. He tried to earn it, tried to just reach out and get it. He heard the words, it's a gift, but everything he ever got, he got by the sweat of his brow, just by reaching out and working hard. Let me just tell you, whether it's the Holy Ghost, whether it's a degree, whether it's finding the will of God for your life, whether it's figuring out which talent to focus on, You're never going to have, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be strong enough. You're never going to be smart enough. You've got to trust in the power of God. You've got to lean on his everlasting arms. You've got to connect to the power source, not to an extension cord, but you've got to plug right smack into him. If you feel weak, awesome. Don't fake it. Keep Keep that up. If you feel outgunned and overwhelmed, don't forget Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Next slide, please. The third piece that's missing is the keel. The keel is a longitudinal structure along the center line at the bottom of a vessel's hull, which the result of the hull, the rest of the hull is built. It's extended downward as a blade or as a ridge and you can see there that blue thing that's coming out of the bottom of that boat. The keel is there for stability. It gives weight in the center for balance. It also gives the vessel buoyancy so if a wave pushes it this way, the weight and gravity will pull it back. It's, it's there to keep the boat stable. Noah's Ark should have rolled Big rectangle. It didn't have a keel that, at least it wasn't recorded in scripture. Jesus said in John chapter 16, his disciple says, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered and said, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you'll be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you might have peace. This is so beautiful, this next statement. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. When tough times come, Remember that he called it. He told you they were coming. He gave us the warning. But he didn't just exit stage left. He says, I will be with you. And oh, by the way, fear not the world because I have overcome the world. When it feels like you're in a spiral, you're, it just. and sometimes I can go through spiral and stability and spiral and stability, in 12 seconds. Life just does that to you sometimes. We've got emotion, we've got fear, we've got upbringing, we've got lots of different inputs, we've got just so much that can throw us off kilter. But let me just encourage you, if you happen to be fighting a little bit of depression, or a lot of depression, if you happen to be dealing with fear, and maybe sometimes it's secret sins, so now you're really feeling, strong condemnation, if you have an issue with anger, if violence is one of your vices, if it's substance abuse, if it's, if it's sickness. I want us to think exactly like Paul and Silas did when they were in that prison. But the crab tea, crab tree, it wasn't just like they were in a cell in the perimeter. The Bible tells us that they were deep inside. They were in the innermost parts. And in my mind, and I hope I'm not taking this out of context, they were smack in the middle of this problem, meaning no matter what direction they went, they had the same distance to overcome. They were completely surrounded by the bars. They were completely encompassed by the darkness and the valley and the prison. And I don't know what song they sang, but if you put me back in that role, I'm gonna sing that song that says, it might feel like I'm surrounded, but I know I'm surrounded by you. It might feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. It might feel like I don't know how I'm going to get out. But let Jesus provide your balance. Let Jesus make the low places high and make the high places low. Let's let him level the playing field and put us back on center line. The ark had no keel. should not have had any balance. We bring things into a home life (laughs) We talked about it at the marriage retreat this past weekend. There are a lot of households that shouldn't make it. But he provides the balance. Isn't that amazing? If you're trying to save your family, not that methods are bad. Method won't provide the balance. The next missing piece is the anchor. We read in our opening text that the ark rested in the seventh month, 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. When it comes time to stop and stay and live and prosper, God will be your anchor. It sounds so cliche. And it sounds so cheap. But where would you be if he was not your anchor? Where would I be if he didn't hold me firm in the truth? Where would you be if you didn't have that stability? Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Sometimes you're just hanging on for dear life. My brother, my sister, don't ever let go because the anchor's not going anywhere. And if you'll just hold on with all that you have, if you'll just never let go. I brought In closing tonight, I brought this little book. It's not really, actually, probably one of the thickest books I've ever read. <laughs> 380 pages, including the index. It's called... The Survivors Club, I'm gonna auction this off for highest bidder later, just kidding. I highly recommend this book. There's a story about a lady, not the Brady Show, sorry. I'm gonna read and there's a couple of parts in here that I'll just sort of paraphrase because there's You'll you'll see why. The thought is this, I'm in big trouble. Those were Angeli's first thoughts when she saw a flash of fur over her right shoulder. She was mountain biking along a twisting trail in Foothill Ranch, California. She thought she had startled a deer, if only. In a streak of speed and force, a creature pounced on her from the brush, knocked her off her bike, and plunged its fangs into the back of her neck. Ann knew immediately it was a mountain lion. This happens to me every time I read this story. <clears throat> she had seen signs posted at the trailhead. Big cats had been spotted in the park and writers were supposed to be extra careful, but whoever paid much attention to those signs anyway? The animal, the animals are supposed to be afraid of humans. At least that's what Ann had always believed. She cries out, Jesus, help me. Anne cries out, Jesus, help me. It wasn't some casual quip. These three words were entirely intentional. It was a conscious response. And it was a response to that previous thought that she thought she was gonna die. As the lion clamped down on her head, she tried to drag her off the trail. Anne says she purposefully called out to God. On the ground, the lion attacked the back of her neck below her bike helmet and quickly worked its jaws toward her face. She felt its fangs open and close, shifting slightly each time, angling for her throat and to kill. I just see people when I hear this story. Not just Ann, but your friends. And my friends, and my family members. As a mountain lion dug into her neck, her instincts took over and she struck back, punching the animal in its face, and at that part I say, you go, Ann. But unable to strike its body, later in the hospital, doctors found her hands and her knuckles were black and blue from so much fighting. Are you black and blue? I'm just fighting. Do you have any scars? Anne knew her time was running out, but suddenly she heard her friend Debbie. <laughs> Debbie was screaming incredible obscenities, <laughs> she was screaming profanities. And it startled Anne because she'd never heard her religious friend talk like that before. <laughs> Then she felt Debbie pulling hard on her left leg, trying to free her from this beast and this vicious tug of war. And Anne was the rope, and she didn't think she would survive. She said, This is the end. And she tried to say goodbye to Debbie. But Debbie refused to listen. And Pastor Lopez, Debbie just kept saying, I'm never letting go. I'm never letting go and is saying, just let me go. Goodbye. I love you. Thank you. Just save yourself. And Debbie is saying, I am never letting go. As we stand to our feet in this place, I don't know if this story res- resonates with you at all, but the Lord Jesus Christ is my anchor. And there is a lion, if you will, that is vying for your soul. There is a lion that is vying for your family. You may have already been attacked. The the, the weight and the pounce might already be over. You might be already in the most vicious battle of your entire life, but won't you just know that there's a church that has a hold of your leg and we are saying, we will never let go. We will never let go. Could you close your eyes just for a moment? My apologies for going over just a couple of minutes. <clears throat> if you feel like that you're Anne and you're being pulled, I implore you to let someone know. We talk about relationships and we talk about homes and we talk about caring and we talk about Souls, and we talk about love, we should practice this. You should ask your friends, How are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? And then wait for the answer. And if they need you to, I want you to grab a hold of them and never let go. Lord Jesus, I want you to be my rudder. I want you to give me the direction. Lord, I want you to be my power and my propulsion. God, I want you to be my balance, and I want you to give me stability. And lastly, Lord, I want you to be my anchor. If you commit to be resolute in letting the Lord be these things in your life, could you just give him a huge round of applause and lift up your boys. It would be okay if you just shout out, I'm never letting go. I'm never letting go. I'm never letting go. God bless you. Thank you so much. Remember the Kids Revival this weekend. Talk to somebody. Love each other. Be safe as you go. Lord bless you.